first time I heard Joe Arroyo, I was like, is that Celia? Because yeah, they the sing that right nasal there. soneando shit. Oh, yeah. Know. Oh, that's not... That's not you into the wrong thing. You that's not terrible. A, a singer. I am a singer. I studied... Are you? I went to music school, bro. Oh, I went man. to performing arts music school. This is going to be such a good podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Bancom Podcast. I am Nick Jimenez, joined as usual by our host, eighth grade basketball MVP and award winning Elvis impersonating Santa Claus, Michael Michael Beltran. Yeah. We are joined by a first of his kind guest. Shout out to uh, Manny and Ashley who are walking by there. Um, First of his kind guest. I think this is the first time that we've had somebody like kind of who does who does the sort of things that you do. Yeah. Um, Eddie Samora. He is uh, perhaps better known to you as the not a but the Yum Yum Foodie on Instagram. Yes. <laughs> He's known on the West Coast for his um, coffee duck face. That's yeah, right. Douchey, uh, douchey duck face coffee thing. thing. But it t- it turned into a positive. I mean, it, that's always good. Yeah, it did because it mean, wasn't I'll, my original intention. Oh man, yeah. Panko spin over here. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to the hard hitting questions. Yeah. Explain the douchey duck face now. Uh, you know, <laughs> bottom line is, uh, so hey everybody, uh, <laughs> born and raised in the right, 305. We all, yeah, we got you. Yeah, born and got. raised in Miami. Uh, hence, you're you're gonna hear some revolu. You're gonna hear some of that shit. Uh, oh, but I I live I live on the other coast, and so I do this tongue in cheek thing on social media called douchey duck lips coffee selfie the original joke with that because it's it's tongue-in-cheek it's a fucking joke and it's funny because people like people maybe won't it. know me people Bro, loved it i stopped doing it and people loved it. it's ridiculous and then if i don't do it la gente me caen atrás they're like hey why haven't you done one i'm like for fuck's sake man that i started but anyway whatever give the people, people what they want people it's like you know want. what you know what uh guess what i'm a if i was a band do you want me to say to be playing the same records i was playing fucking 20 years ago i guess so because that would yeah. make sense for the rolling stones anyway so, so duck, duck face is your piano man it is my piano man uh oh. but so well, go back well, to it there well, was a well. a very let's just say self-absorbed couple that i knew <laughs> and every post of theirs on social media was them doing like the, essentially what i make fun of which was that that kind of duck lips face and it became a thing amongst my close-knit group of friends where we would recreate this couple's social media posts in our own photos and send them to each other as a complete passive-aggressive bullshittery of of that. Love this. So one day I was like, you know, I think it'd be funny to fuck with people because I, I, I love fucking with people. And uh, when I see people on social media with these pictures and all that, the self-absorbedness, I don't know if that's a word, but whatever. Sure. Uh, it turns me off. And I said, Yo tiro la cosa la mierda. So I'm going to make something fucking stupid around it. It could have been about cocktails, but I said, Hey, not everybody drinks. Coffee is approachable for everybody. So that's how it turned into a coffee and thing. And whenever I travel, I do them in different places all over the fucking world. I do these stupid fucking pictures. But then it's as dumb as it is, it's heartwarming because people send me theirs, bro. People love it. And they it. use their fucking hashtag. And, it, like, I've had people do it with their dogs, with their little kids, with their... And it, it if it makes one person more self-aware of their stupid fucking selfie picture, then I've done my job. I think it, I think uh, it worked. But here's the good note. I think it worked. Here's the good note. Fast forward. 
I am in the process of being talked to to be a, a judge on a food competition TV show. Oh. And I have a, a meeting, a phone meeting. And at this point, bro, I've... Is this uh, diners, drive-ins, and duck faces? No. Oof. That's a good one. I like But my that. hair is not spiky, and I don't wear the sunglasses on my ears on the back of my neck. Listen, we don't... So it's bad, a little we different. We don't bad talk Guy Fieri here. No, I love him, bro. Me too. I love him, and... Uh, Straight he down paid to Flavor Town. He paid for the funeral of Cuban chef Carlos Ruiz. Yes, he did. Who was my dog and in New York. And so, Carl... Fucking rest in peace, Carl. And Guy loved you. And uh, you're Carl's the one who turned me on to the genuine, beautiful human being that Guy is. So it, I, I have changed that perception of Guy. But my 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 story is fast forward. I just get back from Japan. I had been working on a, on a, like a vacation, and I, I had been working as a spokesperson for a fucking car company, bro, all over the world. And at one point in time, I got, that's how I started my brand. The Yummy Foodie was I was getting paid to travel and I would go visit the best places and I would talk about it, explore it, meet people like you and, and, uh, kind of it really enhanced my experience. And I was pushed by other people in my life to start writing about it because I was your friend that you would call at two in the morning, like, bro, I'm in Austin. Where do I go? I'm on Fifth Street. Uh, you know, and then finally people were like, all right, do this. So, Fast forward, I get back from Japan. I'm like, I can't do this this job for the car company on the road anymore. I'm gonna kill somebody. I like, I'm I'm gonna lose my shit on somebody because I'm just not there anymore. I'm done. And they're looking for, thank God, I'm brown. They're looking for somebody Latin to to be a judge on this food competition show. And my my reps at the time are like, hey, you know, why don't you have a call with these people? And I'm, I'm at that point in my life where I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, bro, I'll fucking talk to anybody. I get on the phone with this gentleman named Dave Knoll and this lady named Cleve Keller. I don't know who the fuck they are. Mm -hmm. Probably the best thing I ever did was not know who they are. Oh. Because they created Chopped on Food Network. Oh, They've cool. created over like probably 3,000 episodes of television and they're the most beautiful human beings you've ever met. They're like the opposite of what you expect TV producers to be. And uh, that stupid douchey duck lips picture that I did in jest years before came across the desk of Dave Knoll and he told me the story later he's like when I saw this you got it you get it what? you get it they're Man, like they're like you get the your, your sense of humor aligns with what we're trying to do Thanks to our sponsor, Aganorsa Leaf Cigars. Aganorsa Leaf is renowned throughout the world for its signature flavor that possesses all the great attributes of Nicaraguan terroir, along with classic Cuban aroma and flavor. Aganorsa Leaf is pleased to announce a brand new edition of Guardian of the Farm, Cerberus, named after the mythical three-headed hound that stood watch at the gates of Hades. This exciting new Nicaraguan puro, uses 100% Aganorsa leaf tobacco and is wrapped in Aganorsa's new Corojo 2012 cover leaf, which adds a level of complexity to the blend, adding light spice and a rich, smooth body to the blend. When you smoke one of our world-class blends, you will experience the difference between ordinary tobacco and Aganorsa leaf. That's why we say our leaf is our strength. Learn more about Aganorsa leaf and use their store locator and find a cigar shop near you that carries their products at www.agonorsaleaf.com. The two of us smoke Agonorsa Leaf cigars often. We also 
offer them to a lot of our guests, like, for example, Dave Arvello, who every time I post a picture of a, a Cerberus mentions to me in my DMs or in a text how cool the band is, which it actually is a pretty slick-looking band. Um, but also, I just want to note, a little personal anecdote here, so it's not all totally straight-up red. I can say that uh, Michael Beltran will absolutely not only vouch for the quality of Aganorsa cigars, yeah. but you met a uh, Miami legend and handed him an Aganorsa cigar. I did meet uh, uh, a Miami legend. I was smoking nearby Alonzo Morning, and we had a conversation about cigars, and he handed me one of his, and I went inside. I bought this exact same cigar, and I handed Alonzo Morning this Aganorsa cigar, and I said, try this. Thank me later. I mean, if that's not an endorsement, I don't know what is. Aganorsaleaf.com. Introducing the newest line from Jura State Cigars. 20 Acre Farm is a complex, refined, and medium body cigar with a super oaky and cedary notes accompanied by a whisper of white pepper and a bright hint of citrus. Built at La Gran Fabrica, Drew Estate in Nicaragua using a velvety, and I mean velvety, Ecuadorian Connecticut shade grown wrapper. Under that wrapper is a sun-grown Habano binder and a filler blend of Nicaraguan tobaccos from Esteli and Jalapa in perfect balance with the opulent and majestic Florida sun-grown leaf. Florida sun-grown is also the name of the farm where that tobacco is lovingly grown and harvested by Jeff Borshoix, who's the guy you see in this video playing behind us. Uh, on his pristine 20-acre plot of land near the central Florida town of Claremont. I have actually been to that farm, along with plenty of other cigar tobacco farms in Mexico, Central America, and the Dominican Republic. And what Jeff, who, by the way, is a very nice guy, there's actually a cigar box signed by Jeff hanging on my wall. Uh, what Jeff is doing there is super legit. Uh, so it's always cool to see products like his, which is the only premium cigar tobacco grown in Florida um, in products from a company like Drew Estate. Plus, 20 Acre Farm being a Drew Estate product means it's the creation of Master Blender and Pancom podcast guest Willie Herrera. Support our guests and sponsors. Get it online. Ask your local cigar shop about 20 Acre Farm by Drew Estate. Learn more about Drew Estate and use their store locator to find a cigar shop near you that carries their products at DrewEstate.com. That's right. I'm probably going to smoke one of those right now. I, what are we waiting for? Well, you know, that's good. That's, and it helped, bro. It's so it's like, it's fucking crazy that well, my you know, stupidity the whole, the led whole, to... A, the whole, know. like, movement was funny, right? But just perspective. Mm -hmm. So, like, I work out once a week at Tropical Park. Okay. Right. And there's always like one. I may have seen it on your Instagram. Yeah. There, I, always I just like, didn't know it was Tropical Park. but Yeah. One person doing something for Instagram. And my favorite one the other day was, I'm going to do it. Oh, right. please do it. Please. I got to get up and do it. It's hardcore like your shirt. So the, mm -hmm. the, the, the phone was here and then she was like here. I don't know oh, what was she happening. was lunging. And she was looking back at the camera, and she it was it, no, but she wasn't lunging. She was trying to look like she was running, and then <laughs> she kept messing with the camera. And then she'd go back, and then she'd look, she'd go back, and she was running. And I'm over there like Sulao in the corner, just like dying, like actually working out. Yeah, she's just like looks like she hasn't sweat the entire time. Mm. 
And then there's the thing, and she's just kind of like, <sighs> and I was like, man. And it was literally, it was a solid 20 minutes yeah. of whatever moment she was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. But that wasn't funny for her. Like, she was being very legit about that. Yeah. That was like a very serious thing. Woo! <laughs> Wait, I love this it, right now. This is a Gloria Stefan song. Coming out of the dark. All right, let's <laughs> let's start the podcast over again. Eddie, how are you? Welcome I am to Pongo golden. Podcast. I'm golden. I have a rum Negroni. Uh, yeah. Yep. So uh, we Negroni. lovingly call that the Beltroni, as so, my friend, uh, as uh, my friend John Falco, friends, not friends, we're not sure, uh, has has named it is the Beltroni. I like that name. Yeah, That's a me fucking too. Solid name, um, dude. I'll Anytime your name is involved in a cocktail that makes I'll people happy, take it. It's it's not like they're talking about the 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 Beltroneria. You right. know what I mean? It could be yeah. way worse. Beltran mania. <laughs> yeah. No, the Beltroni. Yeah, no. uh, my goal is for it to make it out to the West Coast and for you to randomly walk into somewhere in LA. Can I order a Beltroni, please? Yeah, and it's just like it's just dude. it's gonna take off like wildfire. So how about I just f- I I get people to fly you there sure. and we do a fucking pop up. And we'll serve Beltronis. Let's just like you know, let's evolve here. Uh, let's, let's take it to the next level, because I, you know, I think you you know me a little bit now, but I feel like a fucking uh, like a a preacher to no fucking choir sometimes. Oh, yeah. Oh. Ooh, yeah. the stadium lighting comes I hate, on, bro. I, hate the I feel like I'm at Mark Late Stadium in high school, bro, and I'm and I'm that. and I'm playing I'm playing center field. I, I got to play there uh, one time in oh, high yeah? school. Yep. We, uh, we anyway. Uh, yeah, I just had the flashback of the fucking Mark Light Stadium lights. Let's tell everyone, let's actually start and go from like yeah. the beginning to where we're at now. Sure. In your life. I'll let Miami, you... Miami, let's go Miami guy. I know we met. Yeah. What was it like? Maybe four years ago? More than that. Has it been more yeah, than bro, that? Yeah, bro. We Fuck. met. You were about 100 pounds heavier, bro. 100, it was 150 pounds heavier. 150 pounds heavier. Big and beautiful is what I'd like Dude, to say it. Uh, uh, there was a... Yeah. So, okay. Born and raised You're here. just going to you're gonna double down on the big and beautiful. I thought you were about to be like, yeah, yeah, you were big and beautiful. No? Because... I'm, I'm gonna get to it. Okay, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna get to it, bro. <laughs> okay, you know all, uh, his whole life story when, leads up to big and beautiful. Yeah. Dude, when you when you are, I I like not and I, and it's okay because I don't I don't get mad at people for it, but not many people can speak to to living in a city, embracing it because it's your home. Mm. Because of circumstances, you're you leave. You're not forced to leave, but you're kind of forced to leave. You have to go because mm. of whatever you're doing. You know, if I wanted to be a rocket scientist. Guess what? Chances are I'm going to have to go work for NASA in Houston, in here or there. I'm going to work for Jet Propulsion Laboratories. You know what I mean? Like, there's certain circumstances that force you to leave. Uh, certain circumstances force forced me to leave Miami because I worked in television. That's what I wanted to do with my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was it was it was what uh, the opportunities weren't here. Right. I was going to say, like, I feel like TV is very much like you just you go where. Where you can get in, like you know, one you of my to, one of my best friends since I was five lives on the West Coast too, and he's a writer. Yeah, you know, and he's been there for. Would that be Nick? Yes. Yeah. Who I I, I hung out with recently, and I touched base with him because we got to get together. He's the Isn't nicest he a fucking dude man? ever. He's such a. You uh, need to tell him. So to as much bring as I want you on my cut. show, I want Nick on my show as well. Oh yeah. Yeah, Do I it. think I think we would have wonderful conversations. So. um I was I was in a weird circumstance, Mike, because my mom was she wasn't terminally ill, but she was. 
but I was so blessed to have the complete opposite of traditional Cuban parents. I didn't have the parents that were like, live with me till you're 50, which is fine. It's not, I'm not, but I didn't have, I was very blessed that I didn't have that. My parents were like, your mom has cancer. My dad was a musician. My dad, you know, once a musician, always a musician. So they understood the artist's life. And my parents were like, there's nothing for you here. It's 2004 right. in Miami. Right. You know, th- th- there were no TV shows shot here. There was nothing shot here. I worked. 2004. Yeah, bro. It feels like a million years ago. It does. I was a host. So, okay. Go back even further. Uh, my buddy's studying in, in Europe. Like any broke ass fucking kid who barely made it through school and I didn't graduate. I, I scrounged up enough money to go visit my friend in Spain. My friend was studying in Barcelona and it changed my life. I went to go visit him for three weeks. I ate food in Spain. I went to Poland. I went to France. I went to Italy. And, bro, I'm, you know, the extent of my culinary world was Red Lobster, bro. Like, it, it just, that was it. Well, the biscuits there are great. They are spectacular. Yeah, Those Cheddar Bay biscuits. The Cheddar Bay biscuits and I went, are I went once time, one time to the Forge, and when the Somme busted out the wine spoon, I was like, I'm fucking lost here. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing, bro. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, and, and, and really the intention of that dinner was, please, will she come home with me later? Um, you so gotta, you I go to Spain, the fence, and dude, it, it changed my life. The first time I had seafood in the Mediterranean, fucking like, and mind you, I love seafood everywhere, but it was the first time I tasted seafood that didn't taste like it tasted here. It's the same fucking fish. It was the same, uh, uh, same prawns or, you know, gambas or whatever the fuck. Sure. But just the, the salinity of the Mediterranean, like it, it, it opened my mind to different things. Fast forward, I come here, I come back home and my mom cuts out a thing in the Miami Herald or the Nuevo Herald and she's like, Hey, they're doing an audition. I, mind you, I was doing like FIU theater. And my mom was like, oh, look, they're auditioning for a, a, a talk show at a channel called Mundos at Telemundo. Cut out of the fucking newspaper, like a three by two cutout. And I don't remember where the audition was, but it was somewhere in, you know, in Hialeah where Telemundo is. And I went. And through a series of crazy events, I got the job on that show as a host of that show. Incredible. And I How did old that. How were you sh- at the time? 23. And I did 130 something episodes of live television, like live on, like not live on tape, like phone callers calling me an asshole, live. not liking, not agreeing with whatever topic is and my opinion on it. So it was the best crash. Dude, it was like hell week for TV. You know, I'm not a fucking Navy SEAL. Don't guys don't misinterpret that. But it for TV, that was hell week. Right. That those that that experience really taught me what I needed to know. Sure. But that shit went away. Uh, I can't remember shock and awe that night where, where we bombed Iraq, I was about to go live on my show and we're in the studio. There's tensions everywhere. I'm in, I'm in Telemundo in the live newsroom, the fucking, you know, that all that's going on. And de pronto, boom, you know, outcast bombs over Baghdad and my show gets pulled back. 24-hour news coverage, my no, my show never went back on the air. Mm. I never got to say goodbye. We had, bro, we had, I was blessed. We had, like, fans. Like, it was, you know, it was a show. Here I am on my ass. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do, man. Like, I don't know. I don't know what, the, like, what is next? There's nothing here. Well, what was it? How long was that? Like, wh- how long was 130 episodes? Uh, like, a year and a half. Because we were on Monday through Friday, 10 to 11 every night. So, you know, do the math. Somewhere in that ballpark of a year and change is when we hit. That stresses me out. Five days. Okay, we do this once every two weeks and I'm like stressed. What do we want to talk about? And I had to produce. So there were five hosts. 
So it was a round table, like politically incorrect with Bill Maher, if you remember that show. There were five of us and we each had to produce one episode per week, which was great. It was a great crash course in like, all right, segment one. I'm sitting in the middle. I have two people on my right, two people on my left. You people on my right are in general opposed to this argument. The people on my left are in favor of this argument. And let's discuss. So, bro, as a novice in that world, you know, my experience was listening to Howard Stern. That was my experience of listening. That's good experience. Amazing experience, yeah. which is why I think my it, it's helped me on my podcast to talk to people. It's helped me fucking be comfortable talking to you. Um, but that's it. That's all I had. And then all of a sudden, all of it is gone, bro. Overnight. Bracata. Gone. And here I am, comiendo un cable. As we say. <laughs> I love that term. You know, I can't say it in LA because people don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But that's fair. <laughs> Uh, good. There's a lot of LA terms I can say here that people won't fucking know. So you know, it's it's a, cool, it's about man. diversifying your your vocabulary. Um, and Mike, I I freaked the fuck out and I didn't know what to do. And I in my head I was like, I need to save X amount of dollars. I need to find out how much rent is in LA. I need to find out what it costs to. I need to save up enough money to live there for a year without working. And then I was very lucky that there was a fan of my talk show that was an agent in LA who signed me right away. And I moved there and I had opportunities. You know, you had to earn them, but I had them, I had the potential of opportunities right sure. away. Sure. I'm doing a play. The story's crazy, bro. I'm doing a play circa 08, 09. Uh, and the girl who played my mother on the play, she's like, you you speak fluent Spanish? I'm like, yeah, you know me. Yeah. She's like, have you ever done an auto show before? What the fuck is that? She's like, oh, you know, you you work for a brand. You go to the fucking convention center in the city and you learn about this and you do presentations to people and i'm like oh i don't know if i'm into that she's like it pays this much i'm like oh fuck super into it brother when i'm telling you as an actor my first few years i think i i didn't scrape over 20 grand and in la i I mean dude we would we would buy a a 12 pack of paps blue ribbon sorry we would find out what a restaurant or bar had in the can and we would buy that Sneak it in, buy one or two cans at the bar, and then we would have like three or four in our fucking pockets because we couldn't, bro, we just couldn't afford it, you know? We couldn't afford it. We'd just tip extra, and, and that was it, and we could kick it. Um, anyway, so <laughs> I said, okay, so I auditioned for this job. Fast forward, I get hired, and here I am working for an automotive manufacturer and traveling around the country. I was always your friend that liked going to fucking cool. Re- I mean, I was, bro, I was poor. I didn't have money to go to, to French laundry. That wasn't, you know, that wasn't in my, in my stratosphere, but I wanted to like to, to I would always go to talk to bartenders because bartenders to me, the people that know the city the best. Of course. And they'll tell you. Well, if you I, want to know where all the dive bars are, you hang out with the cooks. If you want to know where all the like fancy, like cool places to be, bartenders are the when ones I always, to talk to. I always would ask bartenders. I go, not, not in a like uncomfortable, like, when are you off? I'm off this day. I go, okay, where do you go on your day off that you do this for a living and you still fucking go on your day off? How good is that place? And they would tell me and I'd be in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'd be here or whatever. And that's what I would do. <sighs> I, I'm, I'm doing this job for nine years, bro. Nine years. And what I did during that job was one time. And I've, I've said this story before, but I don't think I've ever told you I'm working and I don't mind saying the brand that I work for because it comes full circle. Now I'm an ambassador for them, but I worked for Lexus as a product specialist for nine years. Now I am an ambassador for Lexus nationally. Man, that's cool. It's fucking crazy. And I, I couldn't. How do you recreate- become an ambassador for Cadillac? 
work for them for nine years at auto shows, my friend. That's, um, that's not you know, happen. and have a Michigan accent. Talk, you know, have a little bit of a nasal and call they the gotta, caps. They got to the make their stuffs a little more like uh, international. We got to get a little. Well, Cuban I mean, they make a lot of cars in Mexico, so can, you know can, they're pretty international. More than people know. <laughs> um, can, can can we hear Michael Beltran's uh, best Michigan accent? I don't even know where to call start the caps with that. I don't like. I don't know what Michigan people sound like. Here we go. Here we go. They sound a little bit like Chicago. But uh, not as not as nasal as Chicago. So, uh, wabash. It's it's almost like you got to start pronouncing the streets in Michigan to start getting the accent. Like, oh no no no, you go down Detroit and it's on Michigan, and then it's always like meh meh meh. Sorry, bro. So it's a it's a crazy long story that I I'm, I'm condensing it as much as I can. I'm I'm working an event for Lexus, right? And they they send un cuanido to Aspen in February. Oh, nice. Congelándome los huevos. And I'm standing outside uh, on a fucking... In a, I mean, in like un free, uh, freezing your eggs. Your huevos. Uh, for, uh, our Salina, for our Salina, Kansas people, freezing your Salina, eggs. yes. Um, That's in reference to your balls. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and, bro, I'm standing on this corner. And I, yeah, my whole intention of the job was like get people to test drive a car, and they get a hundred dollar gift card to like the St. Regis to go eat at whatever they're fine yeah, dining. It's fucking nice. It's fucking amazing. But these are rich people in Aspen in the winter. A hundred dollars yeah, for them is fair. a tic tac. It's yeah, like it's nothing. That's fair. So I'm standing there congelando me, and you do that on the side of the bro. street in Little Havana, you will have a fucking line to test drive that car like oh. 10 blocks deep. No, no, no. They'll bring all their cousins. Yeah. They'll put on a They're wig. They'll call people. Like, it's going to be Marie will be Maria Lacey's the next time he comes to visit. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I don't even know. So uh, uh, I'm, I'm standing on this corner, Mike, and this is the crazy little moment that is it's ironically pivotal to my career and my life. I, mind you, it's probably like 20 degrees. I'm freezing my ass off. And there's a dude, because cycling is very big over there. Some guy pulls up, I don't know, maybe like 100 feet away from me, in full cycling, like camel toe shorts, like tight shirt. Really getting into it. With his carbon fiber bike. God knows what his gear was. And there's these two really, because Aspen is is like pretty white girl heaven. So it's there's these two really attractive women, and he's just macking to them. And I'm like, mira, este fucking sabingo congelando solo huevos. Se cree que es Lance Armstrong aquí vacilando la jeva. We're back. Like, We're freezing our eggs again. It was Lance Armstrong. What? Was it really? It was really Lance Armstrong. Was it Armstrong. like, po- was it pre? Po- was, uh, was, was pre-controversy <laughs> Lance Armstrong. Pre-controversy? Yeah. Okay. Congelan- Both, it was, I think it was still one testicle. Congelándose el huevo. El huevo, <laughs> yeah. Sully. So Sully won hardball that gear. I... I had just gotten a fucking Twitter account for Eddie Zamora, which is like my personal Twitter, and I made a fucking snarky joke like, and Lance Armstrong working real hard or training real hard in Aspen, put my phone away. An hour goes by or two hours, whatever. I hear a beep. I look down. My phone is drained. 5%. This is my first smartphone. I open it, and Lance Armstrong had responded to me, and at the time, he had like four or five million followers oh, man, on Twitter. This is good. And it turned into... People asking me what bike is he riding? Like you know, people are fans of it. There were it was a sure. it's a thing. People who are into cycling are really into that. And a light bulb went off in my head, and I said, "Man, there's something really powerful in in social media." And that was the catalyst for me for saying, "I'm traveling. I love food. I'm learning how to cook. I worked in catering. I'm very passionate about it. I don't consider myself somebody who is a a." a, a level of excelled as a chef that's not my intention my intention is more of making things approachable for people but that's that evolved but that was the light bulb for me mike 
that was the moment that I was like, fuck, there's something really powerful here. And I didn't think of it as a monetary, monetary, monetarily in that sense. I thought of it as just like, wow, there's an interesting way to have a voice. And why the fuck not me? I'm authentic to what I do. I don't lie to people. And uh, that was the catalyst for me starting the, you know, quote unquote, at the Yum Yum Foodie, which is the bane of my existence because I think it's the fucking dumbest name, but I can't get rid of it now. Um, but it is what it is. I'm self-deprecating. I'm always going to be that. I, I mean, I'm, you're just, like I said, you, you're going to carry the podcast. Um, and uh, that was, that was the, honestly, that was the catalyst for it. And it, it through a, another crazy series of events, here I am. Well, I think, you know, and, and I'm said, blessed, bro. I've I said, really am so, I've super lucky. i a million times. Like, there's people that use, the social media thing is like um, a thing for good. And then there's the people like the chick at Tropical Park taking 20 minutes to make it look like she's running um, because they're doing it for fame. Yeah. And I get that. You know, and I think like it's what you do with it that really makes it powerful or, you know, and I mean, obviously we're friends. So like, you know, you support good people, you support good things. There's other people like you out there that support good people and good Absolutely. things. Absolutely. And there's, then there's a lot of trash. Mm-hmm. But just like everything, like for every one good restaurant, there's a hundred bad ones. Dude, the videos when we were kids, bro, there was a video called Eight Minute Abs. Guess what? You don't get abs in eight minutes, even though I've you saw something about Mary's. And Buddy was like, seven minute abs. <laughs> you know, I can't remember. Uh, Raymond, I can't remember the fucking Raylan something is the <laughs> I, name of the comedian who was, those... who's in the car with Ben Stiller and something about Mary. And he's talking about seven minute abs and he's a fucking serial killer. But it's, it's, is in the really movie, se- oh, in the movie, he's okay, a serial okay. killer. Like, uh, a serial if you remember the film, I have a weird memory for movies. I'm like fucking Rain Man for movies. Yeah, but you also at your house have this like really sick outdoor movie theater situation. I do, man. Yeah, it's pretty sick. That started during the pandemic. I my house is fucking tiny. It's a hundred and my sorry, my house was built in 1908. So do the math. It's it's old. It's small, but the way it's designed, I have one kind of facade on the side of my house that that accommodates a movie. Well, I mean, screen. it looks from there, it looks Bro. big. Like you got a little outdoor theater. I do, I do. And my friends come cool. over with their fucking four K projector. We started it during the pandemic, and we it was our outdoor movie night. Yeah, I mean, during the pandemic, you just did anything to like have a good time. Yeah, I mean, there was countless nights of me and Nick in his backyard just drinking entirely too much, talking all kinds of. Really ridiculous shit for hours upon hours. Well, the one time I turned correct? my head oddly towards you was when you told me you weren't drinking. I gave you the fucking like pug like head turn when you talked to a dog. My this was when you were you were like hardcore diet well, and well, you weren't was, drinking. I mean, I was sober for two plus years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. and you weren't drinking, but it was one of those moments where I was like, like yeah, <laughs> I turned you into know, my it was dog. So tough two years. It's tough two years. Well, you know, hence the 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 Beltroni. The Beltroni is back. Is back. There's yeah. a there's a photo somewhere of you trying to reheat a frozen empanada in my fire pit. <laughs> Sorry, I fucking cracked the audio for that. My bad. That's, that's good. I like that. I like that. Um, I had a thought before we carry on to the next part of the podcast. I wanted to take an opportunity to interview. Uh, one of my staff members. Absolutely. Is that cool? Hell yeah, bro. I actually want. I wanted okay. to move. Wanted to move him over there because you don't. He could. He could do all those things and uh, move him over here. Is that cool? Yes. All right. Uh, in, enter weird intermission music. Where do you want me to go? All right. You got to You got to cozy up to the microphone here. All right. Welcome to the podcast, Ariet Chef and uh, newly. Um appointed sous chef of Laurel, Brian Shore. Welcome on the podcast. 
We don't. We don't. We don't have any sound effects wow. on here. Um, no, we don't do that. So, <laughs> I wanted to talk about our run challenge. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, for this month, we had. Um, I guess it was kind of like a deal, or a, I don't know what what you would call it. It was a challenge, right? Just to vaguely put it, it was like a challenge of running 50 miles for the month. And that was completely your idea. You got to talk into the microphone for fuck's yes, sake, Brian. Jesus idea. Christ. That was Come my on. idea. Okay, why? Um, running has been a thing that kind of um, had a really positive impact on my life. Mm-hmm. I never in my life expected to be a runner, but I guess kind of I kind of am now. And um, I just think in what we do in, in the industry that we're in, the balance between work and and after partying and stuff like that is not really um cohesive sometimes for a healthy lifestyle sure and um i just i just i'm around everybody here all day every day and i just the bond i have with everybody i think um i think that it would only be beneficial to them so i kind of mentioned it to manny and and chef chris over at the gibson and they were super into it and then i reached out to you and I knew if you said yes, that everybody would, would take a little more seriously. And that's really what happened. So what do you think was like, because um, obviously like the cooks in general, we could be quite the pirates and a uh, good healthy amount of degenerates in our clan of cooks. You know, it's just like there's there's people that like just don't give a fuck and they'll down like a whole 12 pack of PBR and six shots, Jameson. I used to be one of those. And um, and then there's people that, you know, kind of like yourself that are a little more mindful. What do you think was the overall reaction when you told everyone that this was a plan for August? It was overwhelmingly embraced, um, surprisingly. And, and front of the house jumped on board. and But only two completed, yeah. No, Emo did it. and oh, he's, Will- not front, he's not front of the house. No, but Emo, uh, Willie did it in the front. Um you, me, Manny, Kevin, so quite a bit did it. Um, but I think that just getting out there and doing it is, is, is I think it creates camaraderie. Sure. I think it creates um, more, the team here is already amazing, but I think it only adds to that. Sure. And um, I, I just think there's no negative aspect, zero. Right. And something like that, it's something that like, sometimes when people are doing something alone, they wouldn't do it. Right. But again, when you jumped in and then Chef Manny had uh, Chef Pablo. There he is. Chef Manny, oh, the there, 70, there, there, 70 there. mile king yeah. right there. Seven, no, 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 no. 79.5. Yeah. 79.5. Right okay. Whatever. Do whatever makes you happy, okay? But it's, I mean, you have, you have literally an hour and 35 minutes. Okay. And we have to finish inventory. Just saying. Oh, I didn't tell you that. Okay. Got it. I did the freezer. But um, I lost my thought there. But, um... I just think that it, it kind of cascaded into something amazing. I think, um, obviously, I'm, I'm a big proponent for team culture. Uh, I'm a big proponent for camaraderie, um, fighting for each other, all those kinds of things that, I mean, I think to make a great kitchen work, you have to have. I think what you did in August was incredible. And I'll tell you this much. I've been hard training for, I don't know, four, four and a half years, whatever it is. 
And, you know, I tell people they can come, they can not come. If they want to do it, they can do it. Um, it's hard to hold a lot of people to that kind of accountability. It's one thing within the walls of a kitchen. I think it's different when you start talking about personal life, especially like the aspect that um, of what society views a kitchen to be like, right? It's very easy to fall into the norms of like what kitchens are supposed to be like, right? Which is a bunch of pirates. Everyone drinks a lot. There's a bunch of cocaine, which never happens. Um, there's a bunch of people just like a bunch of fuck alls. And like, that's not really the culture that we have. No. And I think that um, double downing on the wellness portion of that was huge. I mean, people like Manny, which Manny, whatever, Mr. 80 Mile in August, hasn't worked out in fucking months, maybe years. And the truth is, is that this may catapult him into a new version of his life, which is health and wellness, yes. which is important. Emo is the same thing. Kevin was already an avid worker outer, like he worked out all the yeah. time and whatever. But, <clears throat> you know, the fact that sous chef Danny Rosales even ran 10 miles is a shock to me. You know, like, I don't know the last time he ever ran 10 miles. But all that stuff is, uh, it's, it's a domino effect. And as you continue, like, your career as a leader now, that's really important stuff to carry with you because it's very easy to just hold people accountable, like, in the kitchen side. But holding them accountable overall, which I think is, like, very much who we are, is a very different dynamic. So I think it was incredible. I think, you know, I... I actually did a nine and a half mile run on Sunday to finish. I heard. And uh, I still feel like an old man uh, three three days later. But um, something that Manny and I talked about a lot because we talked about this run challenge pretty much every day because he wanted to tell me how many miles he ran every day um, was that I couldn't really break four miles. So running nine and a half for me, I haven't done that in years. And, you know, it's it, it proves that uh, the mind can push you further than what you really think you can go. And I think if you continue doing stuff like that and motivating people the right way for all kinds of things, not just to do great food, not just to work hard, but also like to keep them, like hold themselves accountable. It's a whole different type of leadership that I don't think the kitchen really has enough of. So I think the whole point of this was one to say, thank you for that. Oh, my and, pleasure, Chef. Thank you. And two, um, are we going to run it back? Yeah, I'm always down. I know, but you also ran 100 miles like two months ago. <laughs> so it's like a little unfair with you. <laughs> I think it's really to see if everyone else is going to run it back. Man, he's going to do it. I know Chef Chris is. Um, well, Chris, well, we could talk about Chris here, right? Because he's he's a Pongo Podcast Hall of Famer. He's been on here twice. Yes. Uh, Chris, we're talking all that shit that he did. All and he he reached twenty three miles. I'm I'm pretty sure he talked some shit on the podcast. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah, I ran twenty six miles in a day. That's it. Sounded kind of like that. You too. know what though? He and I love. He's he's a dear friend of mine. I love him, and um, I held I I asked him. I was like, you know, I see him going out drinking. I was like, don't say you don't have time for this. Like you do. And he was very honest, and um, I can only respect his response. Um, and I don't want to put too much, of, but he said, he, fine, you know, he, he was working really hard. He's like, I've been out of the kitchen for eight years, and I'm not used to coping with with the stress the way that I should. Sure. And um, so that's something I'm working on. And you know, if somebody says that to you, then you can only say fair enough. And, well, I think um, I think the biggest thing is also like 
you have to make time for yourself. And I think that's the most important thing that we miss is like as chefs or, you know, industry professionals, whatever you may do, front of the house, back of the house, whatever it may be, like you have to make time for yourself and you have to make time for the things that essentially are going to make you feel better, you know? And I, I think like in the, in the search for all that, um, in the journey for all that, I think it's like having people to hold you accountable is very important, but not just hold you accountable to talk shit to you, but just to really say, you can do this. You've done this before. It's not outside of your reach. And Chris knows it's not outside of his reach. No, he's been running his entire life. You know, holding people accountable isn't necessarily a negative confrontational thing. It's just, it's just calling out what needs to be called out sometimes. And we all need that. And and I, I know he'd do that for me. I know I'm sure as hell know you would. And, um, I don't, I don't think sometimes people think that accountability is a negative thing, but I don't think it needs to be like, well, it says a lot like Chris, and we talked about this a lot about the run challenge. It's like, you know, when I was training for a marathon, that's all I was doing. You ran a marathon? No, him. Oh, when he ran a marathon, that's all he was doing. He was training to run a marathon. It's very different when you add the very large aspect of just work life, you know, and like being able to have work life, home life, and also social life balance is very difficult. To be able to hold yourself accountable through all three is very, very, very difficult. And I think, you know, we're just going to keep using him as an example because he's he is who he is and he's fine with us talking about it. Uh, I think this was a big lesson for him and it would be a big lesson for a lot of people because the other people like the Danny Rosales of the world that didn't quite finish, right, mm-hmm. that's going to enter his, the next phase of his career, um, you know, he'll remember that other people with jobs that were as important, bigger titles, did it. You know what I mean? Of course, that's why I keep mentioning that you embracing it was so big because no one has more on their plate than you here. Well, I know that... Uh, if I did it, other people were going to push for it too. And, you know, like that's part of leadership. It's the same thing for you. It's the same thing for Manny. Like Manny pushing for it probably pushed Emo to do it. 100%. Emo, for the people who don't know, is uh, one of our dishwashers and also probably one of the cooler guys on the planet. Uh, we, would, we would all he's, agree. He's a friend, yeah. And, um, you know, he isn't a lot like me. I'm not a runner at all. And he just he pushed himself across that finish line and he did it. And I think it's just saying that it's possible. No matter what, whatever you have in a day, it's literally 1.6 miles a day, which sure. is legitimately 25 minutes if you have a slow pace. And you're feeling better always. Right. There's, there's times I don't want to run all the time, and there's never once where I've regretted it afterwards. I'm always happy that I got out there and did Well, it. my knees regretted it for sure after Sunday, but, you know, I got through it, and I think – you know, we have to keep pushing that kind of thing. And I think we, the more we push that stuff as a leader now and as someone that people are going to look up to because you're going to have a whole new staff that's going to work for you that don't know where you came from, pushing those kind of things is very important, you know, and uh, I commend you for pushing this whole staff to do it. I appreciate it, Chef. Thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers, Chef. i going to run tomorrow. That's all I'm saying. I got you. All right. There he is. Danny, how many miles did you run last month? Respectively. <laughs> I don't know. You gotta go find a real one. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. No, I don't want one. I don't want one.
So it's so funny because this is the first show that I've done where I'm not the host. Oh. And I have to like, I'm like, bro, it's it's really, it's just very different, you know? And how was that as the host? How did I do? It's liberating. Is, is, is it intimidating to be around such a professional operation? Absolutely. I think it's does it make does it make you feel like you should go back home and hang up your microphones? More than anything else, I can't grow a fucking beard, bro. Right now, get the fuck out of here, dog. Complete pre-opening, post-opening look for me. I look like a fucking hot mess. Like I, it's crazy. I I am so proud of you. Oh, thanks. Uh, I mean it for real, bro. Like I I feel like like I'm an ambassador and and I've I've self-proclaimed ambassador for my hometown. Mm. So as much as I love my hometown, I also feel extremely free to criticize it. Because I always want my hometown to be better. Yeah. Kaizen. I say it all the fucking time. It means continuous improvement in Japanese. It's like, it's just like always getting better. So yeah. I'm, I'm proud of you, bro. For real. It makes me, it makes me so fucking happy every time I see another handle on social media that's affiliated <laughs> to you, bro. Yeah. It makes me so fucking happy because I, I, <laughs> I know, bro, but I think you, I, you know, I think you deserve it, dude. I think you work fucking hard. Uh, I know you work hard. So it, it makes me proud to tell people from out of town to stray away from South Beach. Yeah. Be, besides Scapegoat, I'd tell people yeah, to no, stray. That, that place is great. I do love Scapegoat, bro. Yeah, like, same. I love it. Same. Every time I'm here for Sobe One and Food Festival, that's my jam. Same. Except last time I was there, the fucking plumbing broke. And my oh. it started, like, filling up. And they're like, uh, you got to go. <laughs> I'm like, shit. I hadn't even ordered yet. So I was like, all right, well, fuck it. <laughs> I guess I'm not having a drink this February. Anyway. I'm, I'm for real, bro. I'm, I'm super fucking proud of you, man. And I'm, I'm, I'm nobody. I'm just somebody from this town that appreciates my fucking hometown. And uh, uh, as much as I'm proud of the fucking dolphins making moves, as much as I'm proud of the fucking heat playing well, like the, I, I almost feel like here your restaurant group is heat culture. It's the it's the equivalent of restaurant heat culture. In my, We're, we are the Udonis Haslam of uh, restaurants. So you've had people that are really good motivators, but have been here a little too long. Yeah, that's <laughs> me. I guess. I guess that's me at this point. Fuck. So I love me. Me some and UD. Gio, we are the Udonis Haslams. Of this I love UD. Group. I yeah, love UD. Too. Don't get me wrong. And I think actually, I think he's a super valuable asset to like you know that that person on the bench would be in case shit. And in case shit, UD comes in and plays some minutes and makes things happen and gets people motivated. So yeah, he like, just tries Dwight Howard and, and gets him uh, gets ejected after uh, thirty seconds. I was at that game. Oh yeah, that was one of the fucking games I was at. And I was like, yes, motherfucker. Yeah, it was a tough year. It was a tough <laughs> yeah. year for us. So this is the anyway, uh, I will shut up now. Please. The the Omer Yurt Seven of podcasts. The what? Omer Yurt Seven. Oh, the, the, yeah, the Turkish yurt, guy. Yurt, it's Yurt, Yurt. I I mean, are we all hoping that Yurt's gonna be good? We don't really think you're just going to be good, right? I mean, I don't think all, everybody hopes. He, he played for Georgetown, didn't he? I don't even know. I don't know where that guy came from. No, I think he played for. He's Turkish, but I think uh, he played produ- for Georgetown. Mr. Producer. He's he played yeah, for Georgetown. So when you're a big man and you play for Georgetown, there's almost yeah, he's a pedigree. A, he's like a real basketball fan. Yeah. Every time I talk to him, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I'm not uh, sure. So I have a lot. Well, I had a lot of free time on my hands. So I'm just kidding. Uh, the good thing about living where I live is the games start at four o'clock for me. So I can kind of have a normal life. And yeah. Dolphins games start at 10 in the morning. So I can have a normal Sunday. It, it is very liberating. That is one thing. If you're a person from the Damn. East Coast, when you move to the West Coast and you're a sports fan, it's kind of fucking great. Because you have, like, like I would think coffee the opposite. watching the Dolphins game. I would think the opposite. Like, I couldn't imagine. 
Well, I guess until it's Monday night football and it's eleven o'clock at night, you're like, bro, I just want to go to sleep. Why the fuck are they still like, like? I could, I actually, you know what? <laughs> trying to not run the clock. I don't there's know. So many incomplete passes. There's been so many times that I, by the time the Dolphin game starts, I'm already entirely too banged up because, like, you yeah. know, you wake up at ten, and then you like your your wind up too, and then you have a couple drinks, and then it's one, and then it's kickoff, and then you're already angry because they fucking just frustrate the fuck out of you, mm-hmm. and then you know. It would be better over with coffee instead of just like, you know. Please, dude. I remember sitting at Catch of the Day on Lejeune yeah. and like Northwest, whatever the fuck, 7th Street. Yeah. And watching Jay Fiedler and the Jaguars oh. beat the shit out of Dan Marino in his last game. And or oh, that it was, was Mark Brunel. was Mark Brunel. First, but then 60, Fiedler. 64. We were losing so bad that Jay Fiedler came in. 64 and, to 14. Oh, no, no, no. They, 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 I don't know. They shoved the back of a fucking gasoline truck through our buttholes yeah as far as the it's way that there was it it's is whatever you know i'm a i'm a i'm a, I'm a verbal artist uh, but you know i remember that so it's it's hard being a fucking dolphins fan in general i can only imagine being like a because i was a miami fan living in virginia and i got tons of hate for that like very they just really don't like us and it doesn't matter you could i mean i'm a hurricane heat fan Dolphin fan. I don't even like hockey. I'm a Panther fan. You know, all they just hated all of us. They didn't even fucking matter. It's funny. In out of all the and, I, and I've lived in the tri-state area. Obviously, I've lived here, and then I I live on the West Coast. I will say the West Coast is the most forgiving as far as like other fans are concerned because there's so many like there's people from all over, uh, and that's actually kind just of a, a little beacon. more hippie. Well, no, dude, it's kind of a beacon, bro. Like, I'll walk into a bar, and I see somebody with a Marlins hat, and I don't mean like a retro hat, like one of the new ones, because the retro hat is some, it could be some Sopingo that went to Goodwill and bought it. (laughs) But like, you know, for real, I see somebody with a new Marlins hat, which isn't as stylish as the retro one. I know, they're so ugly. Yeah, and, and it's kind of like a beacon of communication, like, yo, what's up? And then they'll, and then you you get into like oh yeah bro I was at this game and and it's the same thing with the Heat not like not as much a D Wade because D Wade is universal LeBron I mean, he's is universal like international D Wade absolutely and I love him um and and Chef Ingram is a is a friend of mine who you know who who who's worked for D for many years and he's just like D's a, he's a dude he's a fucking he's a he's an OG and you get that but there's something about seeing your home team in a place away from your hometown. That is like extremely warming. That's cool, and it is like it's. Th- well, you that- know, when I lived in Virginia, I was like alone watching Dolphin games and Canes. I mean, I didn't watch. I could never watch Canes games because mm-hmm. I was there because I played college football. So you were forced to watch Michael Vick over and over. Again. Oh man, <laughs> I remember Michael those days. and Marcus Vick were like the gods. I still love Florida State and Pete, was it uh, what, was it Peter Work, mm-hmm. and they put a fucking ass ripping on them. <laughs> In the, yeah, in the I mean, you know, they were at that time. They were they were really good. You had beat them my junior year. I think they okay. lost to them my senior year. But I I was actually fortunate enough to go to a a game at NC State, UM versus NC State, and the opening kickoff, Hester took it to the crib, and it was just like, man, it's it, I mean, it's cool, you know, because like everyone hated me, but I was like, this is great, absolutely, this is amazing because we fucking that's I mean, they were good. That's when um. Shaq Lawson was their DN, and the other big DN, Manny. There were two Lawsons. Shaq Lawson, His Manny brother? Lawson, I think. No, they weren't brothers, okay. but they had the same that... last name, and they were DNs. Okay, and they were like really good. NC State was pretty good, and 
Hester just took it to the crib. And it's just like it's just like a very being a like Dade County football guy, like you just have so much pride for mm-hmm. like I mean the the football the high school football in this county is like nowhere else. Well, it's I, fucking I try to wild. Explain that to people where I live because you know we we have a huge Latino population well, you're, you're and baseball's also, big where I live. Yeah, you know? you're also the quarterback capital of like the country. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. But even even for in, high school, in in terms of like baseball, because that's what I played in high school. Um, I try to explain to people. I was like, in Miami, not only do you have a bunch of Latin kids who they're you know it's in their fucking blood, eh? Then you have a bunch of Latin kids that lie about their age, oh, and they yeah. have fake birth certificates, and it's in their blood, but they're also older than you, and they're gonna throw faster, and they're gonna kick your fucking ass because in their village or their their city in the DR, uh, they're gonna go back and save their fucking village because right. you know you know what I mean. I mean, it, like it's you different. know, ba- baseball is like a very it's a very interesting thing, right? Like, because a lot of people. I mean, they play baseball from when they're three or four or five years old. Yeah. And their whole idea, like, that's how you get out of, like, the ghetto. Yeah, bro. Or, if like, your a really. Glove is a milk carton. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden you have an opportunity to fucking, like, buy gloves for your whole hometown. Of course you're going to work hard. You're going to do whatever you can do to, to elevate. Right. So tell me, what is the, uh, the. Where are you now and what are the next steps? Dude, it's crazy, man. Because I know uh, we, we just had. You just had a show. I did. Yeah. Uh, so, so here, uh, here, here's life, right? You know, I, I've been very lucky that when I was an, an actor for a living, I had many great opportunities. Sometimes things aren't of the right fit. Sometimes you shit the bed. You drank too much the night before. You didn't prepare. You know, uh, the acting world is so much about preparation. It's like, it's like sports, bro. You, you practice in the batting cage so that when you have that one pinch hit at bat, you're everything is slower because you've done it so many times that hundred mile an hour fastball looks like a 90 mile an hour fastball. And I was somebody that it got the, the exterior got in my way, whether it was living in another place, it was just new. And I, I didn't prepare enough that I'm going to be honest. Like I didn't prepare enough, but I was very blessed to have some phenomenal opportunities. And then fast forward because of, you know, the catalyst of my stupid fucking running into Lance Armstrong, douchey duck lips bullshit. I get an opportunity on a TV show. Fast forward, the same people who created that show pitched me, which is something so generous. They pitched me to NBC, the fucking Peacock, to be part of a show. I pay for that and, streaming. Absolutely. Yeah. And I auditioned with 700 fucking people, bro. And when I'm telling you, I did virtual auditions with famous fucking people whose names I won't mention. But I was like, I was like, how the fuck am I in the same Zoom with this person? You know? And bro, I, I got the job. Amazing. Which, for a kid from Miami, with the upbringing I had, with living in a world of only possibility, bro. That's one thing that my parents taught me is you may have this hardship, but you always have possibility because we are here. I got a job on a fucking a job where Mike, when I tell you, when you, you know, I, like I told you, I feel like an ambassador for this town. I felt that this was the job where I can really showcase my hometown. Pew, I can pew, put Juaneo on the forefront of daytime television. I love that. But everyone needs a little more of that. But here's life, bro. Here's life. Here's life in television through a series of, of events that 
had nothing to do with my performance or my co-hosts of this particular show. Some very, very phenomenal human beings and exceptional, talented people. You know, the show doesn't get picked up. That's life. Yeah. But here's the thing. So many people can, you know, put your fucking tail between your legs and, and, and bro, we're not built that way, dude. We right. you, like we are we are these people where you get a bad review, you don't give a fuck about that. But you know what I'm saying? F- figuratively, you're just gonna be like, "Here's the middle finger. I'm gonna fucking beat it down with a jackhammer, and we're gonna move forward." And that's so. Now, during the pandemic, uh, I was a guest on a podcast, like I am now, and the producer of that show asked me if I had my own show. I said, no. They said, you need your own show. I said, well, fuck, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, I could talk to you all day. Same. That's how Nick discovered me. Exactly. So what we have in common is nobody here has any idea what they're doing. No. That is the valid point. (laughs) Except, sorry, IRS. I know how to pay taxes. Uh, That's pretty much it. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. I'd rather Uh, not. And I I got a fucking podcast, which I'm, I'm... I'm, I don't give a fuck what you say. You're coming on my show. Even if I have to weekend at Bernie's you and put a fucking cutaway of it. you and Nick will do the voice. Um, oh, I so that. That, I, that I started good. a show because I was encouraged uh, by some folks who produce stuff for Adam Carolla to do a podcast. It's called Kill the Bottle. We drink something every show and we talk about life. And we've – I don't know how, bro, because it wasn't the intention. But, you know, when like the reviews and ratings and shit come out, we got ranked extremely high. <coughs> By accident, because we didn't like, bro. I don't fucking know what I'm doing. I didn't, I didn't pay Guido on the side another hundred bucks to like, it was like I don't know what I'm fucking doing. But that's been, that's been, in 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 retrospect, the most fun I've ever had, and all of the blessed things I've ever done in in the entertainment world, in the food world, and everything has been talking to people like you, um, like country singer uh, Martina McBride like fucking Richard Blaze like like talking to people on my show and and seeing that people wear different hats than what we're used to seeing them in right bro it's 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 like a, it's a gift to the world like not my show just being able to see different facets of people whether it's here whether it's there but i think that's where podcasts have kind of opened the door you know for people now there's a sea of podcasts but still i think everyone has their own thing that you can learn from a C or connect is a good way to put it. It is, bro. There's a lot. If this is a C, we are the Titanic. Absolutely. <laughs> but but are you the Titanic above water or fucking how many leagues under the it sea? De- That's depends. are you broken in half? It depends which podcast episode. How many we're wine bottles about. are under the ocean there? Like, you yeah. know, let's let's really take a deep dive into this. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I love that. And I think that, you know, even for me that as much as I talk shit, like the podcast, this one has been great for me and for us, a hundred percent. I think. I don't know if Nick would agree, but uh. Dude, you give a platform to people who either work here. Yeah. You know, you you gave me the opportunity to be here, I mean, and I can't tell you, bro, how honored I am. Oh, come and on, all bullshit aside, dude, dog, you're I, like a famous person. Fuck you, bro. Get I'm the fuck out of here. <laughs> you're like, like a famous dude, person. I for that is not me. I am um fucking chamaco from La Sauesera. Like I went to Henry and Flagler Elementary. I, I, you know, it, like that, that's who the fuck I am and that's who I'll always be. But I love that you give a platform to people to speak their mind. And not only that, you give a platform to people who are from Miami, who are, or who have adopted Miami. Right. right. And that is something for me living over there is 
it's a breath of fucking fresh air. And I love LA, man. I, I won't talk smack about it. I'd like, well, I will because I've lived there for well, fifteen years. The traffic years. is terrible. It, hmm. Have you but, driven on Bird Road? Have you driven on Bird Road trying to get to Bird, the Palmetto I, I from Fifty Seventh Avenue? Bird like, it depends it's like on the I would time. rather sit on the four hundred five than drive on Bird Road at five know, o'clock man. trying to get LA, from the Gables to fucking, fucking terrible. from Gables High School where I went to try to fucking go to the Palmetto. I don't know, bro. I would sit in the 405 at six o'clock, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's just, I, so here's the thing about Miami from my perspective. Miami can push people away or it can embrace them. You have, you have embraced in the, like the same thing you do in hospitality industry. You embrace people from all different facets of life. And, you know, you can come off as a hard ass. And I love you to death because I, I think, I think you're a super generous and genuine human being. Um, and I think, you know, you, you give your love to what you feel deserves your love. And that's a distinction, not that you don't have love, if that makes sense. That's very nice. Uh, but that's what I think that this show brings to this town. In a town that's full of flash and fucking lights and red yeah. carpets and that bullshit. And there's a place for that because it gets people to come here. Yeah. But what gets people to stay here is this vibe. Yeah, I mean, that's my approach. That's just me. Yeah, you know, like we said earlier, I think all that stuff has its place. Mm-hmm. I just don't really think that's who we are. Agreed. I just think it has its place. Agreed. You know, as like a red carpet vibe, whatever. Um, I think it's cool, but I think essentially, as a city, we have a ton of culture, a ton of meeting, mm-hmm. uh, like great people. Great food, and it's so much more than just like what people see, right? It's like, Absolutely. My favorite thing is watching football on Sundays and being like, down in South Beach, the Dolphins. I mean, they play in Davie. <laughs> like, it's not even, it's like, not remotely close to like no. South Beach at all. Stephen A. Smith is like live from South Beach, and I'm like, no, Stephen A. I love you, but they're in downtown you Miami. You love Stephen A. Smith? Somebody, I, I guess somebody's got to. That guy I, is such a fucking. He I, is him and Skip Bayless are the worst. So, but I, honestly, like they I make like him mon- and Mad Dog. When they make money going, like, when they go wait. back and forth. I like him and Mad Dog. That's like that's that I, I love a, it as entertaining sports bullshit. Stephen A. and Skip Bayless totally make money and all their clout off of being like the villain. Oh, hundred percent. hundred percent. They're characters, bro. Just like what was that game? Uh, Rome, Jim Rome, Jim Rome, Jim. Rome. They play a character, bro. Yeah, it's just like they they made money Dude. off of being like the villain. Liam Gallagher, Noel Gallagher from Oasis play villains. It's a fucking shtick. And I, I got to give props to somebody like Stephen A. Smith who gets it and understands the game because, dude, the longevity that he's had in, in that career Fuck, is not it's, easy, it's my friend. It's got to be like 20 years, right? It is not easy. 20 years. Somebody who's worked on TV and knows the ins and outs of the behind-the-scenes shit, that doesn't mean, you know, you. He, he, I don't know if he stepped on people's toes. I can't speak to that. But I can tell you that to get to where he's gotten, it is he has played a chess game. So I... As much as I cannot agree with him on certain things, I appreciate the value of the show. Yeah, and I, mean, I look at things just, as a show. He's, a, I mean, he's a personality. He, absolutely, 100%. He's a hundred percent. And he's a fucking thing. Knicks fan at the end of the day. You Which know, it's is, like I mean, I would be angry too if I were a Knicks fan. <laughs> yeah, I'd be super angry. Also, him and Michael Rappaport. I'm like Rappaport. What are you doing, bro? <laughs> is, well, isn't, isn't he a, a Celtics fan? Rappaport. Yeah, he's, I think he's a Knicks fan, isn't he? He's from New York. <laughs> I might be, I That's might be totally gin, off. The ginger guy. Yeah, but I, I, th- I think you just might be thinking he looks, <coughs> might be associating like an Irish 
He look might look with like Boston, somebody who's but, a Celtics but fan, I'm pretty but he, sure he's a New Yorker. I think he's a pretty much like he sits. He always makes fun because Howard Stern will sit in the front row, and Howard Stern's like barely a fan, and he sits in the second row because he's not a big enough star like Spike Lee. Howard, Howard Stern makes a lot of money, so he he could he's going to sit so in the front row. Here's the thing, guys, people listening, you can make a lot of money, and that it matters. But what really matters is how much money you make for other fucking people. And that's why Howard Stern sits in the front row. Because if he's getting Crazy. paid $500 million, that means they're making exponentially more money than that off of him. Yeah. You know? Like well, it, I mean, in the world of entertainment, that's how it is. In sports too, bro. Like LeBron makes $30 million. Guess how much the Lakers are making off of selling LeBron jerseys? You know? Oh, yeah. It's like, it's like, yeah, well, I'm the, making the up Lakers a number. The Lakers didn't even make the playoffs. Yeah. We're totally off base here. Sorry, we totally bro. got we veered, the we veered left Sorry. super hard. Did I say fuck le- the Lakers, fuck the Lakers. Anyway, yep. I, I'm going to insert myself here because I, I would like just because this might be. Is this the first time we've had somebody on the podcast who has a podcast? Yeah, maybe. Oh, no, no, I don't know. Falco has a podcast that he's done like three episodes of. Every time you say Falco, Hi-ja- I, I think hijacked. of Falcone, the guy that got arrested from like the cocaine cowboys. Or you, <laughs> uh, or you could think of uh, the quarterback from the replacements. One or the two. band that sang Rock Me Amadeus called Falco, which Ooh, I'm dating like myself, but whatever. I'm dating myself. I'm fucking 43, guys. Sorry, class of 97. Come on. You, up in I, this bitch. You're killing it. I sleep in formaldehyde. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and a hyperbaric chamber like Michael Jackson. You didn't know I was the chimp? Uh, I'm Michael Jackson's chimp. <laughs> what, was the, what was the chimp's name? What was his name? Uh, Bubbles. Bubbles. Yeah. That's wow. right. Wow, where did that come Bubbles. from? <laughs> Nicely done. What was Michael Jackson's chimp's name? Nick Menace. Bum. Nicely done. <laughs> there it is. I, I was Sorry. just going to say, you're right. Falco did have uh, the redacted gentleman. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's which, a great name. Which is, so I don't know whether you're familiar. Well, I mean, I, I would be shocked if you didn't know already of the redacted gentleman. No, it was a podcast. So John Falco, who I don't know if you know I'm him. familiar with both of your podcasts. Bear yeah. with me. I'm not familiar with the redacted so, gentleman. So Falco is a, a brewery and restaurant owner here. Um, but he, in a past life, was in military intelligence. Oh, right on. So he and a buddy of his from that career had a podcast where they were like talking about not military stuff but from the perspective and like breaking it down in the way that like intelligence guys would think about it so for as an example they did a whole episode where they were approaching in this way the question of whether hot dogs are sandwiches (laughs) so that kind of thing but anyway um you are maybe the only guest we've had who has uh who has a podcast that's done more than a few episodes so tell people more about Kill the Bottle, like who's been on there, what's been like uh, some of the highlights, you know? Okay, sorry. Uh, so I've been, you know, very lucky to uh, create a show based on something that I would tell my friends all the time, which is Kill the Bottle. And uh, nobody else had Kill the Bottle, so I got lucky when I fucking was late to the game. Just uh, like us, no one had Pancom Podcast. Pancom Podcast. Right? Uh, that's true, so and, and people created, people look like they wanted to take it too. Yeah. Oh, they tried. Oh, they tried. Yeah. Bro. The people were out there. They were out there for us. They were trying to come after Dude, us. It's so it, it's funny because I have a well, I'll get into that in a second. But uh, uh, so yeah, I have a show called Kill the Bottle Podcast. I've been very blessed. Where if I've ever worked with you in anything, I'm gonna nag the fuck out of you until you come on my show. Hence, uh, Martina McBride, Richard Blaze, Trigay Fraser, like. Uh, I'm, and also if you're a good fucking person if people tell me that you're a chef that throws oil at your fucking employees which I've had people tell me that I trust wholeheartedly Ooh. that this person did this 
you are never going to fucking be on my show That's because rough. I understand you having accountability and being demanding of your employees. One thing is being abusive and yeah. one thing is having standards. Two different conversations, right? Yeah, just don't I, be a, a don't fucking... Don't be a fucking dick, bro. I mean, listen, you could be a dick, but not, don't be like... Um, I mean, you're burning Don't be a dick wrapped oil. in barbed wire. Okay, How about that? Be sure. a dick. Don't that's, be a dick wrapped in barbed rough, wire. Eh? That's yeah, rough, man. but but that's not, thank not a you. Good time. But that's the thank you. But that's the point. Right. Uh, so kill the bottle. We've had like some of the names I mentioned, and it's uh, it's really just uh, I like showing sides of people that you're not used to seeing, because I was an actor for X amount of years, and now I do something that's a side of me that you weren't accustomed to seeing. That doesn't mean both can't exist. That doesn't mean you can't be a chef and also be an enthusiast to vintage Cadillacs and your your vintage Chevy. That so I love talking with people like you, talking like people, uh, talking with people who are musicians, actors, winemakers, uh, uh, distillers. Like I, I love showing different facets of people's life. Because if you wanted to find out about X Y Z person, you can watch them on Jimmy Kimmel. You can watch them on Jimmy Fallon. When you when you when you talk to me on my show, we'll touch on that. Of course, that's who you are. But I I like letting people know that fuck, bro. You binge watch yeah. on some dumb fucking TV show, whatever. Stargate. That is. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So anyway, that's Kill the Bottle podcast. Talk a little, just <laughs> just because it's a it's a subject that we have at various times gotten into at like a similar depth. I'm curious. I'm an open book, bro. Well, I'm, I'm curious about, in particular, the episode where you talked a lot of Cuba with Laz Alonzo and what the response was. Because I think, unlike us, a lot of our audience was already like at least somewhat attuned to the Cuba thing. Whereas in your case, I'm imagining that a lower percentage of the audience maybe had ever yeah. been exposed to that kind of thing. I wonder what you were hearing from from people who listen to the podcast. So I was so for for for, the, for those of you who don't know. Um, there's a television show, very, very successful on Amazon Prime. It's called The Boys. One of the actors on that show is Afro-Cuban, and his name is Laz Alonso. And Laz, you know, before that, he was, you know, his huge, his big movie was Avatar. You know, that was the yeah. thing that he was on. And I got connected to Laz through a mutual friend who's a Cuban uh, TV host in the food space. And anyway, she connected me with Laz. And he and I just, you know, he and I hit it off. Bro, he's a fucking good dude. And we talked about, uh, well, I asked him what his dream role was, and he said Maceo, and he wanted to fucking be the dude with the two machetes on the horse. And it was really beautiful conversation because, you know, who the fuck in, in Hollywood is going to understand that, right? If right. they're not wearing a Che Guevara T-shirt, who the fuck is going to understand that? But it it was, it was a great conversation. But when we talked about Cuba. It's really interesting, uh, Mike, Nick. It's it's because I live where I live, there's a stigma, I think, where if you live here, people automatically think that there's a certain tunnel vision that you have as far as life, whatever that is. Sure. They think you are set. When you live where I live, regardless of what you think, because here, guess what? You can feel this way about one thing and feel that way about something else and you're a human being that's one of the beauties of this country is that like you have the freedom to think about whatever you want to think right when i had laz on the show we talked a lot about cuba we talked a lot about you know him being afro-cuban 
We talked a lot about him growing up in D.C. where there weren't a lot of Cubans. Right. He grew up in fucking Adams Morgan, which is now Silver Lake, Wynwood, Hipsterville. Before, Super. before Wynwood, but you know what I'm saying. You've been, you've been to DC. You get it. I mean, I was just in Adams Morgan like a month ago. Yeah, you get it. And there's nothing like there's nothing wrong with it because shit changes. It is what it is. Right. But that's where he grew up, and he's like, bro, dude, there were people who fucking tocando bongo in la quina, and he's a cubanazo. But I didn't get flack for it, and that's been a blessing, I think. Um because I'm not associated 100%, even though I'm, I'm, I'm Miami 100%, bro. My number's 305. It's never going to change. But I'm not, for some reason, in the, you know, in the scheme of things, 100% associated with the template that is Miami. It's this weird thing. But then people meet me, and they're like, oh, I thought you lived in Miami. And I'm like, no, bro. <laughs> I've lived here for fucking over 10 years. So I've... My, my point is, sorry, is is that we didn't receive a ton of flack, which I thought was a blessing because we were able to show, share the story. Well, and, and I didn't I didn't assume that you had gotten the flack. I, I I bent more from the standpoint of like maybe your audience having heard some of that stuff for the first time, like that maybe they were there was more learning. Yes, for your so audience. So thank you. Sorry. So there was a bit of that, and I think that's something that I I slowly you know like a slow drip IV. I give you a drop of it episode to episode but i don't it's not about perpetuating it it's more about like looking at demographics of my audience and saying hey you know i do have a large percentage of people that are, are here that listen to me so I'm, I'm blessed for that but at the same time i have to be present to the people that don't know the story mm-hmm. and i think demographics plays a huge part when you're talking about a podcast because i love the subject matter but I also, you know, you, me, as the host of our show, I think it's important if we want to build to understand the demographics and then align with it. So, for example, I have a big demographic in Kansas City, Missouri. And so rando I, as fuck. So I in Kansas. So I love, I love, first of all, like all kidding aside, my favorite city besides Chicago, big city. My favorite city in the Midwest is Kansas City, Missouri. Food-wise, beverage-wise, it's fucking mind-blowing. Seriously. And so we have a a decent demographic. I go to see the Foo Fighters play. And a band that opens for them is a punk band called Radkey. It's three African-American brothers from KC. I invite them on the show. And barely talked about music it was talking about kansas city and the whiskeys that are made in kansas city and the 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 community there so i think there there's opportunities in learning who listens to you sure and who if you're a fucking instagram person see who looks at your shit and if it makes sense that you cater a recipe that you make if you're in the food space or whatever towards people that like bro encourage people like be there's an opportunity without sacrificing your integrity to to fulfill or to enrich people's lives. I don't know. That's just me. But I'm also like my mom died when I was fucking 20-something years old. I That changed my life, bro. I, I, it softened me up a little bit. Sure. It made me more embracing of people where I was more of a hard-ass motherfucker before. Mm. You know me after yep. that. And I'm not a hard motherfucker now. But I was more of that. Oh, in you're that a super before. sweet guy. And it, that's it, what I'm saying. It's like I appreciate you come you. off as like a super sweet guy, like very like open. I am, and very like. But that didn't start from day. Willing one. to have a conversation. That didn't start from day one, Mike. I was extremely shy. I couldn't talk to people. I can't imagine you shy, bro. 
when I'm telling you I couldn't, if you talk to me, I would look away. I am what's possible for somebody who's shy, for somebody who is not confident in themselves. Uh, there's a level of, I don't give a fuck you will have when your mother dies in your arms. Right. There's a level of that that you will have that you don't, you don't want other people to ever have to deal with that. Right. But when you have to deal with that, there's a level of that that you honor the person, you embrace that moment, and then you encourage people to understand that shit can be okay, bro. You can get past it. Mm. And I laugh and all that, but I've been through some shit because, you know, social media can create a perception of a certain life. For sure. I mean, but that... I, I mean, try not to do that. Yeah. I mean, I'm brutally honest and I think the podcast helps us be brutally honest, right? So if, you, if you're if you superficial, you'll look at a post and be like, eh, like, whatever, save, whatever. But if you want to get into the marrow of something, you're going to listen to Panko Podcast. You're going to listen to Kill the Bottle. You're going to be like, I want to know what makes these motherfuckers tick. And yeah. you'll understand there's more, there's a marrow to that fucking bone. Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, I mean, our podcast is definitely open a lot of people's eyes to a little bit more about yeah. who we are. Um, and I think it'll continue to do that. It, it it really has always been a journey to like be able to tell a story that other people are not either telling or willing to tell. Yes. And I think um, that's the beauty of podcasts in general is like having the ability to tell a story that people, you know, Maybe they, they don't want to write it or they don't want to talk about it. And that, you know, you can and people will listen or they won't listen or whatever the fuck happens. And if they do listen and they feel touched by it, they'll tell you. Back in the day, if you had any kind of a show, we'd be talking and be like, brought to you by Goya, by Badia Podcast. And, you know, God bless Goya. Ads at DadeMag.com. Right? Yeah. I'm actually, uh, but I, now I, the, anybody uh, can have this conversation and, you know, you can choose to listen or not listen to it. But at least you have a platform so that there's potential for somebody connecting. And you, you never know what's going to resonate with somebody. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, – you never know what people are going through. That's something that I've learned as an adult to – when I see somebody being a certain way, I take a step back. And I used to not be that way. I used to be more visceral in my reaction. But I take a step back and I'm like – for a hot second, bro. You could just be a fucking sapingo. That's a different thing. You can be on Kaiocho yeah. and pull out a tire iron and hit somebody for no reason at a red light. Or you could be somebody who's been through some shit. So before that, I take a step back because I've been through some shit. So I'm like, what has this person been through today? Does my reaction, is it proactive or reactive? Does it make sense? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it's not worth it. Your ego can get in the way of a reaction. And I've been guilty of it, bro. The only reason I can talk about it is because I've been uberly guilty of it in the past, right? So I'm like, I fight back and I take a step back. And I'm like, hold on. Is this, is this, is this a reaction? Is it, is it proactive? Is it reactive? What am I doing? How am I, am, am I, am I putting out the fuse, the fire? Am I lighting the fuse? What for? What's the point? And I think, I mean, that, that, that develops for us in just human life experience. Shows like this where people can hear people have a conversation, you never know who's going to relate to that particular topic, that particular guest, uh, uh, you know, that the person who had an alcohol problem who now no longer drinks, but they're still the head of like a top fucking cocktail program. 
because like Beethoven, Beethoven was deaf and he wrote his Ninth Symphony. Hmm. A mixologist who really knows their fucking shit cannot drink again and understand the balance of a cocktail. I, I, you know, a co- a chef who is a p- possibility lost their taste in COVID. Is there's still the possibility there of them understanding a, a dish? In my opinion, right? It's possible. That doesn't mean everybody can, but it's possible. Right. Anyway, I mean, I, I really do. Um, I kind of have loved. I have loved the. Um, what the opportunity of the podcast has brought to a lot of people, you know, cause it's, it's not only just the conversations or whatever, but it's also the ability to disagree and be okay with disagreeing. And like the art of communication and conversation is very much lost because we live in this like, like unlike world mm-hmm. as opposed to just having a conversation about things that it's incredibly lost. And I feel like that's the strength of this is that whether people listen or do not listen, we can agree to disagree. We can just have a conversation, and and it's a lost art form. I think. I'm a hundred percent, man. It's it's like, you know, here's a prime example. Anybody, but well, you know, fuck it. I'll use myself as an example. Uh, TikTok. I only got on it because I know that if I don't get on it, somebody is going to steal my name and try to sell it back to me. Let's be honest. That's and TikTok approached me when they first launched. And they asked me to participate in XYZ. Let's just say I was very skeptical about a brand in China. And I said no. At the fledgling stage of it, when they were, they used to be musically and they evolved into TikTok and they reached out to me and they're like, would you want to be blah, 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 blah. And they, and I was like, I don't fucking, you know, back then it was literally, it was all like dancing to this. And I'm like, that's not me, bro. To me, that doesn't enrich people's lives. But again, I'm not. I'm not hating on it. It's not it because everything has a place, man. It really does. And, and there's going to be ebbs and flows and there's going to be the apex of this and the downfall of that. There's going to be always the middle. And I'm okay with being in the middle. I don't need to be the 5 million follower person who fucking pulls – like that turns me off, bro. If you're – and again, this could, it could work for you. It just doesn't work for me. If you're holding up a bowl of noodles, doing a yoga pose, holding a fucking puppy, dude, if guess what? If a brand wants to pay you, that is talent. It is talent. That's balance. If you, yeah, and if you're doing it at a windy cove, it's even more bad. But if somebody wants to pay you 50 grand to do that in a month, bro, God bless them. Do it. Make that fucking money. Like for real. I just can't do it because it, 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 it hurts to me what my parents came from Cuba to here for me to do. That's just it. Bottom line is the generational trauma of my Cuban fucking parents won't allow me to be okay with doing that. Right. So let's say, for example, I curate a cocktail recipe that's professionally shot quality of food network. Okay. Which whatever, but I'm just throwing an example out there and I post it on TikTok. 30 people see it. I post a nine-second video of Dave Grohl doing a porron fucking drink with Jose Andres, like clapping for him. Half a million people see it. Or, and that that was the moment where I was like, fuck this, bro. It, like, TikTok is bullshit to me. It, it, so it's, it's, I have to fight it because it's also, it's also very successful, but I don't think it's for everybody. Right. Or you have to find your niche, whether you're Gordon Ramsay and you're insulting people's dishes. And that works really well for him. The idiot sandwich. Thank you. The or idiot you know, sandwich. 
Yeah, you got to find what works for you, but it's one of those things where I have been apprehensive, to put it lightly, in that space. Yeah, I just watched a video on social media of somebody. This is why I find social media fascinating because I didn't know like it was like such a thing. And then I sent it to Tom, our beverage director. And he was like, man, this video is like really a thing. I'm like, is it really? And he's like, yeah, it's like in all the bartender, I don't know, wavelengths of the world. And it was essentially these two ladies making a margarita. I was like, two girls, one cup? That's a no. different. <laughs> well, I mean, essentially, it, en- it, ended it, up, it ended up in one cup. But it was like they put Starburst. It was a coffee maker. They put Starburst. Oh, I know they put Starburst. Disgusting. Hear me out. They put Starburst <laughs> into the cop where the coffee goes, and then they put the tequila in the back, and then basically they turned the coffee maker on, and the tequila warmed up, went through, and then it was it turned into this weird like pinkish reddish shit. liquid. What they called it. <laughs> yeah, and then they you know they rimmed the glass with like salt and sugar or whatever, and they were like, "Here's our margarita," and I was like, "This is a." an atrocity it's disgusting right like this yeah. is fucking I, I feel like I'm, I'm in college right now and it had like 20,000 views in and college, I'm like what the standards. fuck yeah well no we, we didn't have standards bare basic standards we didn't have, I, we didn't I, I drank bud, bud ice it was like high ABV we uh <laughs> in college we used to do this thing called the uh the green goblin we would fill up uh and uh a cooler with ice and then it was like 151 and moonshine oh and the green high C and some you other call that the future pregnancy. It was well, it, no, nobody it was, would get hard. So it, not even the future flaccid pregnancy. What it was called is the problem. It was a <laughs> it was a problem for a lot of us, and we made it through it. But yeah, the green goblin that existed. I, I wish I still knew the recipe for that. Which is funny because I think oh, fuck me sideways. Uh, 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 Jaguar Sun over by the the arena. Yeah. I think they have a drink that's similar to a green goblin or something. That's fucking well, delicious. De- if, if Jaguar Sun's doing it, it's, it's definitely an agave, a lot better. It's an agave forward spirit, but it's fucking delicious. It's definitely anyway. a lot better than whatever we did in that cooler. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. In Virginia. Maybe you should that's have put it Virginia through a coffee maker. Fucking, like, so well, what are the plans now? Where do you plan to go from here? You know, Mike, I've, I've, I've been... I don't know, man, because I've, I, I take so many calculated risks... Great. And my plan now, realistically, is to have Kill the Bottle uh, be part of a podcast network. One of the things, and, and as you know, we talked about this just a second ago about social media where, you know, something will have, something dumb as fuck will have a million views and something curated. And Thomas Keller could be teaching you how to, I don't know, to how to fucking butcher a, a tuna and it'll have three views, right? I'd watch that. I would watch it too. Morimoto, Morimoto at Auction Napa Valley a few years ago, they hired him and it took him like 20 something minutes and he just sits there and butchers the most beautiful bluefin tuna and you will sit there like me and watch the entire process of it. What a legend. But, oh, dude. And he's the nicest guy ever yeah. with his little fucking Yorkie in hand. He always has a fu- his fucking Yorkie. <laughs> I don't know dude, a Yorkie, but... Oh, yeah. he has a Yorkie and it's cute as shit and Morimoto's the nicest dude and he will put his Yorkie down. He'll give you a hug and then he's super generous in the way he'll uh, he he explains the way he does what he does, and I, I love him. Like he's he's one of the famous chefs, uh, besides Blaze and Guy Fieri. And there's certain people that I've I've been blessed to know, like uh, Joe Sasto, which I've told you about, who's a fucking G and a good dude that I I love as human beings. Morimoto is one of those people, but the the future, 
for for kill the bottle i think and for me is kill the bottle and and panko podcast will teach you that you can be in control somewhat of your own destiny and what i'm referring to is i'm not i'm not married to the instagram algorithm <laughs> you're not because you have a fucking show and guess what dude if you build it they will come i watch field of dreams man and my social media audience as stupid as it fucking can sound when i when i when lance armstrong re engaged me and that shit took off that was the light bulb and it was me watching kevin costner and ray liotta in a fucking cornfield you know in that film and it was like if you build it they will come and i knew that i was capable i knew that i could do what xyz other person couldn't do but i also knew if they were looking at the scales of law if i built a following and an audience authentically that's the key because not the eight minute abs i've been doing this shit for over 10 fucking years if you build it they will come mm. and i built it and they came and there's a you know and and our podcasts are a vehicle where you and i can express our feelings and express whatever we choose to do but we're not at the mercy of Mark Zuckerberg, we're not at the mercy of Twitter, we're not at the mercy of TikTok, we're not at the mercy of any other's algorithm. We can just do our thing. Mind you, it could go nowhere, but it doesn't matter. We're not at the mercy of it. Right. That So that's the future, and I encourage people, man, be entrepreneurs, whatever that is for you. Walk the fucking plank. The sea might look deep, but I guarantee you the white sharks are two miles away from you. Jump into the fucking ocean and have some balls, for real. I love that. It's true, bro. I did it. Nickel. And I'm a fucking sapingo. I'm a fucking sapingo from you're La Sabuesera. You're famous. Eddie, bro, stop that. Never. Are we, are we, do we jump off? Are we in with the sharks, Nick? I think Nick we're, is a shark. I think we're, I feel like we're bleeding and they're on, way. they're on their way. They're on their way. the water? They smell the blood. We're chumming the water. That's what it is. Mike, I love you to death, bro. For real. It means the world to me to be here. Oh, I am man, honored so to fucking be here. For real. I, you, you, you stayed in this town. Give me a fucking minute. Don't cut this shit out. You, you, you stayed in this town. Okay. I guarantee you there were opportunities for you to leave. Yeah. My circumstances forced me to leave. I really had no other choice. Now I could have come back and that's different, but my life is built somewhere else, right? You chose to stay. Norman Van Aken, your career, because I, I know a little bit about you. Um, you fucking like you know you you hammered in the 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 pegs into the sand to hold your tent, and uh, I'm so proud of you. As somebody from here, I am always proud to wholeheartedly and blindly send people in your direction, no matter what you do. You open a fucking ventanita, you open whatever. I know that there's a level of pride, execution, and honor to my hometown. And it means the fucking world to me, for real. Bottom of my heart, I'm honored to be here, sincerely. Yeah, Man, that's sweet. I don't even know how to respond to that. Don't oh, fucking respond. Nice. Just take it in. I'm self-deprecating. I don't take compliments well. I'm so I'm. I love it that I complimented you, so I don't I have know, to deal I feel with awkward. it. Awkward, <laughs> Eddie. I think you're great. You're the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I, I do. It's just I, I don't. Um, Dude, you don't have to say anything. It doesn't. It's not even about that, bro. I love you it's to time death. Time for the wind down. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this so is where here, we... Here's the thing, bro. My mom got sick. I'll be, I'll be sincere. Uh, 
we in my household we loved each other and we like i kissed my dad i kissed my brothers but i love you was not something that we it wasn't like something that was instilled in me right when my mom passed away bro when i like i love people bro and it's it's something that as much as i make fun and i say i hate people i do uh i fucking i love people so it's 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 an honor for me to tell people like you and Nick that I love them because it means the world to me, bro. So uh, it, it's it's a step that I didn't do for 27 years of my life. So it's very liberating now to be like, bro, I love you, bro. Like it's like I'm I'm proud to say that I'm from here and that I can send people in this direction. Nick is worse at taking compliments than I am. He's he's way worse. It's the I, worst. I don't even I, right now. Right now, he's quivering at the fact that he doesn't know what to say. Oh, I don't have to say anything. I'm, I'm behind the cameras. Yeah, <laughs> I'm terrible. Whenever I get complimented, I just make fun of myself. That's that's usually like I become Weird Al Yankovic and I just make fun of myself. That's essentially my for you twelve year olds that may listen to the show. Look up Weird Al Yankovic. Yankovic. It's it's a different vibe. There's a there's a movie coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With a is Dan- it really? Yeah. Is it Daniel Radcliffe? Daniel Radcliffe is playing Weird. Playing Al. Weird Al. Harry Potter? Yeah. Dude, you know what? I It's one of those things where I'll, I I always get presumptuous, and I'm like, hmm, he's going to fucking shit the bed. It looks and like then, it works. But Harry Potter it looks great. good. No, it looks good. That's what I'm He's actually a good actor. He is a, I mean, but imagine if, like, I don't know, what was it, 10 or 15 years of his life was just taking up like, one role that just encompassed the entire world for 15 years I, or whatever it was? Forget food. I got to give props to you for being a fucking tattooed guy who – is a fucking diehard Dave Matthews fan. A hundred percent. Because it is, I love Dave Matthews. It's not about that. Same. But it's like, I don't, obviously. But it, it's one of those things where it's like, it, like you wear the fucking, you wear it on your chest. And I love that about you. But like for real, like, I'm like, I love it. All the people that judge me for being Dave Matthews fans, never, I man. do not care. I will never. I grew up in a musician family. Music transcends everything, bro. Like, anyway. Ma'am, can we help you? I'm good. No, thank you. She's like, let me get the fuck out of She's here. She's like, fuck Dave Matthews. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. She's got her ball and she's got her chain. I yeah. mean, it's really just a... Uh... Thanks, Casey. That's the only lyric I know. I just, yeah. no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, that's good. <laughs> Jam band from the 90s. Yeah. Thank great. you. Um... Well, you know, what's interesting about that fact is that, like, the first concert I went to when I was 13 or 14 years old was the one that my sister took me to, which was Dave Matthews. Okay. Coral and, Sky, or where, where was it at? I mean, now, whatever the amphitheater in West Palm Beach is now. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, I always call it, like, I call it Joe Robbie. I call it Coral Sky Amphitheater, but I don't yeah. even fucking know. So, yeah, I mean, I've been to 19 shows now, and it's like, I don't know, it's just part of life. I mean, that music is part of life, and it's very, like, eye-opening how talented those humans are. Oh, I dude, mean, his drummer is a fucking monster. I mean, I think all of them are monsters. Well, yeah, I just always associate with my dad's a drummer. Right. I always pay attention to the drummers before anybody else. Yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely, like, incredibly special, but the whole band is, like, really... Their music was pretty important for me in my trajectory of life. Yeah. So, you know... You get all the people that talk shit, all the shit that they want, and it's like, I don't really care. Bro, I get made fun of all the time for having, fucking, I love Prince, bro. Oh, man. Prince changed my life, dog. I like Prince. 
if you're if you're like Prince, bro, if you're twenty something and you have never heard or you've never understood Purple Rain or you don't you don't get the the, yeah, the magnitude. 20, the, the the problem with twenty something year olds is the music that they listen to is so fucking mm-hmm. bad. Like the the majority of the music today. Okay. I'm not saying that there isn't so, bad music. I just think that there's so much music. I think there's like, so much music. It's like, an abundance. Like growing up, we we would go with like you would have the filter of like radio and like now the way that it's distributed, like you come across everything. So kids now are hearing well, five thousand fucking bands. We, we mentioned the sea of podcasts. There's and, a sea of fucking music. Right. Yeah, too. Like, like we, we we you know you were maybe aware of like I don't know a new band a month if that right like now it's like mm. any like random kid in his bedroom with a microphone that made something that's like mildly catchy is like nationally Dude, known I've, overnight. I was uh, I love when my perception is changed. Mm-hmm. And you know you I told you about listening to Howard Stern right and and Howard Stern has been hugely impactful in my career for many ways. There's a reason why there's no Yum Yum Foodie logo mugs. There's the reason why I don't fucking do any of that shit. We have a mug. We there's got nothing mugs. wrong with it. We have a I'm mug. not saying, but Howard was we always... We sold out like, to Big Mug. <laughs> no, but, but like, Pan Con Podcast is funny to me. But Howard was like, I don't, I don't, I don't... You know, he was also making millions of dollars on K-Rock. He's like, I don't need... To, to, to move those things. It's not, it's not like my audience is following me for the radio, for the content. I don't need to do XYZ. But in the world of music, one thing he has done for me and he has turned me on to artists that I maybe didn't give a second thought to. And they've come on his show and he's very smart in the sense where he's like, you're Lady Gaga. Yeah, you're known for this kind of dance music or whatever, let's just say. Why don't you just strip it down, play piano, and do a cover song, and do this on my show. And she comes on, she does a cover song, she does one of her dance songs as an acoustic piano song, and it blows my fucking mind. Well, because they're real artists. Correct. Right. But it, it evolved, so I think like a modern artist like a Harry Styles, dude, I had no vibe for that guy. Harry Styles comes on Howard Stern, and does, he's been on twice. Buddy, he's a fucking superstar and i will give credit where it's due he you know he's an evolving musician so there's gonna be bumps in the road you know and i don't have any harry styles records or anything like that but i've 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 listened to him and i'm like this kid's an artist like bowie was an artist like somebody who's gonna evolve through his career and maybe people in their 20s are gonna have a beacon of an artist in the music world who's not dave matthews who's not prince you know, God rest his soul, like people who, before them, but there, there are some people who, fuck bro, like the Phoenix, dude, they rise from the ashes and somehow, and that, that's what Howard did for me and he made me feel like un viejo who all of a sudden understood like, oh shit, this guy, he, you know, he's not, he's not Stevie Ray Vaughan on the guitar, he's not supposed to be, but he's a fucking artist and I was like, oh shit, I get this cat where I can easily turn into un viejo and turn into my dad and be like, ah, Miles Davis. You know, my dad's a jazz fucking musician, so right. it's like Miles and John Coltrane and this and that, and like he would he would turn his back on other things. Uh, anyway, so it's just like like Harry's one of those people where like I see him now and I'm like, yeah, people get mad because he's fucking wearing a kilt or this, and I'm like, bro, Bowie dressed like a fucking chick with makeup and this and that and Bowie's all. wild. But Bowie. Bowie created so many things and he inspired so many people. So you never know which kid is 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 fucking listening to K-pop 
And then they all of a sudden he, see Harry Styles, and they hear this song, and then they hear him cover Peter Gabriel, mm-hmm. and they hear you know, Legend, and they and they're like, oh, cool. There's something, you know, and they get turned on to it, and that's okay. That's I think we're like us, at least for me. I've had to fucking resist and evolve when people made fun of Paul McCartney because Kanye brought up an old guy. And they're like, who's this old guy with Kanye? <laughs> and you're like, that. um, hello. <laughs> you know, you have that moment you're like, um, can we, <sighs> let's not get into it. But I think there, there are those moments where it can click, you know? Yeah. And I have to fight myself, bro. I have to fight myself because I'm OG like you where I'm like, and I'm like, okay. I don't ever fight people anymore about it. I fight myself, not yeah. other people. I just fight myself where I, I turn mean, into a beer hole. I like what they like, but it, it, it is what it is. I turn into the two old guys from the Muppets that are up in the top and they're just arguing with each other. I'm both of those old guys. I feel like that's more like me and Nick. You don't strike me as like the old guy. Let me see. Yeah, no, I, I could see that. Yeah. You both don't have receding hairlines, so that's the only I mean, thing that doesn't work for we're me. We're crushing it there. We're doing fine. Ladies and gentlemen, this is where we are going to do our wind down, starting with parting recommendations. Each one of us will recommend one or more things that you should eat, read, watch, do, visit, uh, or otherwise uh, consume or experience. Uh, Michael Beltran, what do you have for the people? Well, I watched a show called The Sandman. Mm. It was entertaining. Uh, apparently it was a... Uh, oh, you want me to get into it right here? Yeah, that's good. Talk right there? Yeah, yeah. Um, apparently it was a comic book by Neil Gaiman. That was really good. I enjoyed watching that. Um, other than that, I really haven't done much else other than work. Um, Food-wise, what have I enjoyed lately? Uh, I had some really delicious uh, baby back ribs at Flanagan's the other day. That's going to continue being a thing. I went to the uh, friends and family at... Um, the Clevelander for Cush, which is our good friend Matt Cush. Oh, nice. And um, is is the name of is it also Cush? Is it like Cush at the Clevelander Cush or something? At the Clevelander, I had some uh, delicious snapper scraps there at the sports bar at the Clevelander. Sounds like something Cush. they serve at Tootsie's. Snapper scraps. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, not that far. Uh, as something as somebody who used to work there, that's for another episode. Oh man, yeah, Tootsie's, huh? I did back when it was on Ives Dairy Road. Before it was, you know, in a giant... Uh, Amusement park. Thank you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, what do I recommend? Fuck. I mean, you, you recommended Sandman. That's a recommendation. Yeah. I, I'm going to stop there. Okay. Just because I feel like it's going to be a hard push for me at this point. Sure, just, yeah. I, my, my brain is kind of full of a bunch of nothing. Eddie, what do you got? Oh, man. Uh, Book-wise, I... I, I I don't read a lot. Sorry, guys. I'm not scholastic that way. But when I do read, I love biographies, autobiographies. Uh, Dave Grohl, the storyteller, is is a fucking phenomenal book. Uh, it's a great expression of somebody who is a high school dropout who is one of the most articulate human beings you will ever experience is, is Dave Grohl Storytellers. Uh, food-wise... I recently, shoot me, I tried abalone for the first time, and it blew my fucking mind. Uh, so my friend, uh, Chef Dom Crisp, 
OG Dom. Uh, uh, Dom worked in uh, Provence and in southern Spain. Dom introduced me to some Australian abalone, and we and we did like a, a fun little grill off, and not a grill off. We were grilling some stuff, and he was kind of teaching me how to make it because I really had no experience with it. Guys, if you have an opportunity to try abalone, we made an we made just some grilled abalone, abalone, and then we made uh, we put abalone on top of a paella, which was lovely. Cool. Yeah, it was great. And then food wise and travel wise, uh, I was blessed to go to Israel in May, and when I tell you. Uh, I'm not religious remotely, but the food and wine in Israel and the level of hospitality in the industry blew my fucking mind. I think it is a uh, uh, it's a work trip for people to go and see how, you know, a, a, a diamond is made surrounded by pressure and that country is surrounded by pressure whether you agree with it or not, and it makes a fucking diamond. And what comes out of that country, whether it's it's not Manischewitz, nothing against Manischewitz, but the wines that are made there, Mike, like I, I went in there with the least of expectations and I walked out trying, first of all, great blends of stuff that you and I would be familiar with, and then ancient grapes that are being revisited now. That's and why make, yes, yeah, fucking Ar- Argamon. Phenomenal varietal. I'll get you a bottle so you can try it. Uh, so those are be my. It, you know, it's a it's a it's a big ask to go to Israel. But if for any reason you've been nudging or thinking about going, it's safer than you think it's going to be. And then B, the food and wine will change your fucking life. Cool. Yeah, that's probably the coolest recommendation we've ever gotten. It's fucking real, bro. I'm like, I'm like, I got invited and I went and I came back and I was like, I have never eaten a bell pepper until I took a bite out of one in the Golan Heights at this one vineyard in Israel from their garden. And I tried it and I was like, get the fuck out of here. Different world. Yeah. Nick? Uh, I am going to recommend, uh, since we were talking about music and David Bowie and things that the yes. younger audience might not have heard, that... Uh, Labyrinth by, with David Bowie. <laughs> nope. That people go and binge uh, music videos slash clips from the show Flight of the Concords, uh because that brought to mind Bowie's in Space. Uh, one of their songs that sort of spoofs David Bowie. What we do in the shadows, which is also good. from the 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 guy who created the flight of the yeah, yeah. is an incredible show. Uh, so yeah, if I, I would just recommend that people go and watch Flight of the Concords things. Um, now on to shameless plugs. Eddie, tell the people where they can find you and all of your stuff. Fuck, I'm not good at this. Uh, not too bad. I am at. You have to say that shit. The because somebody else had. Yum yum foodie. So I'm at not the just not just any yum yum, yum foodie. foodie. The yeah, yum yum. Probably somebody morbidly obese in the Midwest had the yum the you know had yum yum foodie. So I'm at the yum yum foodie on every social media platform and at Kill the Bottle Podcast on social. And uh, you know, give us a gander, and hopefully uh, this gentleman to my left will be on there shortly. Good stuff. I'm looking up yum yum foodie. All right, I want to find out who this person is. Yeah, shameless too, plugs, bro. Michael Beltran. I stopped. Uh, all the things. All the things. I still got to recommend all my shit. I mean, we've, been, yeah, we've done this 80 times already. All the, the things. All the, the things. Arietta Nave. Scapegoat and the Taurus. Chugs and the Gibson. 
All the things. All the things. At this point, just all the things. Big in the power. Scoops in the rail. Miami against the world. All the things. All the things. Insert song. All the the things. All the things. All the the things. You can find Pangong Podcast on all the things at Pangong Podcast. P A N C O N podcast like a podcast sandwich not panko podcast not pumpkin podcast not pinko podcast but pangong podcast also give us every last dime of your money at patreon.com slash dade mag d-a-d-e-m-a-g and um also go to dadmag.com and listen to all of the other things that are there um and follow Petey the dog at Petey the dog, P-E-A-T-Y, the dog, mm-hmm. on Instagram. He doesn't post much, but when he does, sometimes it's a dick pic. Yep. That's all we got for this episode. Thank you, Eddie, for sticking around. I'm honored to be here. For doing Come the thing. The Gibson. We'll be there every night. A little I late shameless plug I might be going there now with you. <laughs> yeah, just have a little nightcap. That's yeah. where Jeffrey is right now. Yeah, I know. He's yeah, yeah. yeah. He's in, encouraging us to go. Cool. Yeah, I know. I know. That's it. All right. This has been great. See everyone Boom. later. Maybe me, maybe Falco. Maybe it's going to be another guest host. Who knows?